If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for cosmic pep talks, for closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the love of the Supreme Spirit. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic pep talks for closet Christ. This evening, our seminar topic is opening our vision to new worlds. So if you're ready to open your vision and see new worlds, let's get started. Let's take a deep breath together and release anything that you've brought to this moment and just be present. Let's take another deep breath and relax. Let's chant Hugh three times to clear any static in our mind or in our energy field. Deep breath. Hugh. visualize, if you would, a golden flame right above your crown chakra. This represents the Atma Jyoti, the light of your I Am Presence. Now visualize that light pouring golden rays through the top of the crown of your head. See the golden rays of light extending like warm sunlight into your heart. See your heart like a lotus. And allow the lotus petals to open and unfold. In the center of the lotus, visualize the flame of your own divine presence. If you wanted to have a form, you could imagine yourself sitting in a lotus position, like a golden Buddha, like a golden Christ, however you would like to vision that. Or you can just let it be a formless light. Now carry a flame of that divine presence up through the center of your body. Up, 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 and let it touch your lips. Let it fill your eyes. Let it open the third eye. And there you see a lovely flame that resides within the third eye. Now allow that light to flow with sweet fragrance emanating from your heart's lotus. See it flowing through all of your nervous system, releasing and clearing any blocks. See it flowing down through your arms and 
shoulders and hands and fingers, releasing and clearing. See it flowing down through your internal organs, bringing a harmonization in the vibratory resonance of each of your internal organs and all the systems of your bodily functions. See the light touch to each of your chakras, clearing and releasing anything that does not serve your highest good at this time. Anything that is your divine destiny to release this evening, allow the divine spirit to have its way with you, clearing, healing, activating, igniting well-being in every cell of your body, igniting vision, cleansing the mind, the emotions, the brain itself, clearing and releasing and illumining so that every part of your body is filled with divine light. Now see your physical body seated in the lotus position in a beautiful lotus of light. See your physical body and all of the subtle bodies that are attached to your physical body filled with this loving light. See the light expand now throughout your entire aura, all of the worlds that you inhabit, worlds within worlds within worlds within countless universes, and beyond, beyond the form universes. Fill the field of your being with soft golden pink light of divine love and wisdom. Now bring that Atma Jyoti again from the crown chakra all the way down through the center of your body. And let it reside very sweetly in the soul center. The soul has several centers. It's seated in the spiritual heart. It's seated behind your brow in the center of your skull. And it's seated within the petals of the thousand petal lotus that constitutes your crown chakra. There are a layer, there is a layer of petals that corresponds to your divinity as divine love. So depending on your spiritual unfoldment, you'll find a natural place to seek your consciousness that's natural for you at this time. So don't worry about it. If for you it is the heart and the chest area, fine. If it's the center in the brow behind your eyes, the center of your head, fine. Or if you find yourself sitting in the center of the thousand petal lotus, the top of your skull, the thousand petal lotus, so be it. Some of you may find yourself in one of the chakras above the crown chakra. Just kind of Feel into where your seat of consciousness tends to be.
now wrap your entire being and all of your levels in one giant golden flame. Just get a clear vision of that. If you like, you can, uh, with your eyes closed, see that vision of the Atma Jyoti. as the reality of your quintessential divine presence. You can put it out in front of you, if you like, so that you can look at it more clearly. Become acquainted with yourself as that rather than the physical body all alone. You are the divine effulgence of the Supreme Spirit itself. As you look into that flame, you'll see there are gradations of light. The soul is very golden, And then the levels beyond the soul are increasingly lighter in shade. Pale yellow, champagne pale, cream colored. And then the core of the flame is brilliant neon white light. Because at all times we are spirit, soul, manifestation. And that applies no matter what world you inhabit or which dimension you're manifesting in. That is your true form. And take a deep breath and integrate each of these levels. Bring them right down to the center of your head. Take a deep breath and bring all of your energies present. Feel your hands. Clench them if you like. When you clench your fists, that brings a Alignment of your subtle bodies. A yawn will do the same thing. That's why we yawn in the morning. We're coming back into our body. Take another deep breath. And bring the energy down into your knees, calves, ankles, feet. Feel the feet on the floor or wherever you happen to be. Feel your feet. Open your eyes and be present. One of the uh, lessons that I like very, very much in The Course in Miracles, besides all of them, (laughs) is... God is the light by which I see. Vision is his gift. So, by the Course's definition, meaning the Course in Miracles, seeing is different from vision. We see by the inner light, which is the Atma Jyoti, the divine spirit within us. But vision is when spirit 
is using us as vehicles through which to see. And the entirety of our spiritual sojourn through time and space and lifetimes and bodies has been for the precise purpose of being an open conduit through which God can operate. When I say God, I mean the divine spirit, the Atma, the Atma Jyoti, the supreme light can operate unimpeded through this vehicle, this mind, body, spirit, vessel, without any impediment. So every single thing we do, spiritually speaking, all spiritual practices, is simply to clear out the junk. It's to clear out everything that blocks that free flow. So it's an interesting thing. Um, a couple weeks ago, we spoke about the fact that you can't see your own face. You can't see your own eyes. You can't see the top of your head. You can't see your neck. You can't see your back at all. Yeah, you can look down and see your arms and shoulders and chest and all of that. But without a mirror, without a reflecting substance or surface, you can't see your face and your eyes. I was thinking about that, contemplating it. I thought, well, that's accurate when you're in body consciousness. But if you have an out-of-body experience, you can see everything more clearly. People who've had near-death experiences speak of being above their body, looking down at it, being operated on, or whatever. So if you've had an experience out of body, you you have 360-degree angle vision. You don't just have these two little orifices in the top of your head, the front, front of your head, to look through. So I find it useful to contemplate these things because to know the self is to know God. You can't know God. You can't know the vastness without knowing the particular. We are this little condensation, a drop, if you will, of the ocean of being. And the drop is identical in terms of what it is. And as we broaden our understanding, our consciousness, our field of awareness, the drop dissolves into the vastness. And we begin to identify as the vastness. And that, of course, is what we would call God-realization. When you realize you are that, that who you are is indistinguishable from the all that is. And we're going to look at another strange thing. I bet you haven't contemplated this either. Or maybe you have. We see not through the body's eyes. The eyes of themselves have no ability to see. The ears have no ability of their own to hear. The mouth of itself has no ability to speak. 
The lungs alone have no ability to breathe. The heart alone has no power to beat or pump blood. Likewise, the body of itself has no feeling whatsoever. The body is entirely insentient. That's what Jesus teaches us in A Course in Miracles. The body has no feeling. Ponder this mystery, if you will. Maybe you're as weird as I am. I have pondered these mysteries since I was a child. I didn't spend time playing with other kids and playing games. I crawled up in the high branches of the biggest tree I could find where I could hide from people and think about stuff like this. (laughs) So maybe you've done the same thing. But ponder this mystery. Consider how much we've taken our senses and our sensory abilities for granted and how we've associated them entirely with the body. I was listening to a talk by the Dalai Lama the other night. I love to hang out with him. And they record and uh, do videos of all of his talks to various groups in Dharmasala. So you can actually, you know, get reminded whenever the Dalai Lama is speaking and you can listen to his talks. And he said the main cause of suffering is identification with the body. That that is the primary cause of all suffering. And he said what we need to do is to practice emotional hygiene as diligently as we do the hygiene of the body. Meaning, we need to learn how to deal with emotions. The angers and the fears and the frustrations and the negativity that arises We need to learn how to manage ourselves, how to take control and channel these emotions and these energies in a way that enhances our well-being and the well-being of the world and the people that we share the world with. So these senses are not in the body. And our entire education is focused upon drumming it into our mind that we're a body. So that whole thought system has to be reversed. That we are the divine spirit inhabiting a body, but we're not the body. The body is like a shipping container that we arrived in. It's biodegradable, and at some point it's going to biodegrade and return to the elements of the earth from which it's made. But that which indwells that shipping container, if you will, is conscious life and loving awareness. Now you can call that the soul. You can call that the atma. You can call that the divine spirit, the I am presence. Whatever you call it, it's conscious life, which is ongoing and eternal and never, never, ever ends. Bodies come and go. They're shipping containers. No problem. Shipping containers wear out. You get a new one. 
But you are an immortal being living an eternal life right now. And what we do is we develop a conscious identity on the different planes which represent different worlds by going in and out of them through soul travel, moving the spiritual inner awareness into these different dimensions of perception, if you will, these different worlds, and opening our eyes in that world and beginning to explore it. That's the purpose of spiritual exercises. You move your awareness into new levels of, of perception and you check out what's there. If you don't do that, then what you do, you come under the, the unconscious um, uh, you come under the natural flow that most people go to where they replicate the life that they had in the physical realm in the next higher dimension, which they call heaven or the happy hunting grounds or <laughs> Summerland or all of the different uh, terms that they use to, to paradise that they use to describe the after um, the physical body state. I was not going to say afterlife because there's no such thing. There's ongoing life. It's not after or before. There simply is life. But the, the average unconscious person spawns naturally like a salmon going upstream into a replication of their, their basically their human life that they had on Earth, that they re replicate on those in that next dimension. But it's all unconscious. And then they gradually are drawn back into another incarnation. But they're not really conscious life at that point. And so what we're doing is we're building conscious awareness while we are in the physical body, which is where you have to develop it. You can't do it afterwards. You have to develop that conscious ability here and now to move your spiritual inner awareness into new worlds and explore them. We do that all the time. We're just not conscious of it. Every time you go to sleep at night, you leave your body. Every time you daydream and you're off wool gathering someplace else or imagining something that you're anticipating, you're out of your body exploring another state of consciousness, another state of being. Mostly it's astral. You go into that, again, that summerland experience of uh, basically your imagination. The astral plane closest to the earth is called the realm of imagination. For everything you have imaged in, you can experience there, good, bad, and indifferent. But it has been your imagination that has populated that state for you. So, as I've often said, everything you see within and without is simply your own consciousness playing back to you. Okay. Have you ever considered the fact that your sensations, sensory abilities, seeing, hearing, sensing, feeling, and so forth, operate entirely apart from the physical body. Some might argue the fact, that fact, <laughs> that it's operating apart from the physical body, by saying, what about the brain? Because often we attribute these functions to the brain. But no, the brain simply records, sorts out, relays, and transmits experiential input. The data, in other words. The brain does not think. The brain is not your intelligence. We get a new brain with each new body. Brand new brain. 
that the soul then has to transmit its awareness to. Psych Baba gave me an experience of that one day. I have to tell you, it was terrifying. He brought me back to the newborn state where I as a soul was incorporating into a new physical body with a new brain. And he brought me through the, the maturation process of growing up and I got to experience how excruciatingly difficult and frustrating it is for me as a soul to impress my new brain with myself. It was awful. It was so hard to get through to the new brain the experiences of the depth of my ancient being. And I think as a very young child, I came in obsessed to know the self that I am. I knew, and yet I didn't know. I came in with a yogic awareness, but I had to bring that down into the new brain, which is all the time being conditioned by the mother, the father, the environment, and later on the school until pretty soon... You don't remember at all who you are. And you have to get onto some spiritual path, some spiritual practice that enables you to dive deep into the questions of who am I? Who am I? Where have I come from? Why am I here? What's the meaning of all of this? What happens when I die? Where am I going when I die? What is death? What dies? I was obsessed with these questions as a young child. I've been obsessed with them my whole life. But now, you see, I've awakened to the awareness of my being so that I know who I am. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. I know what happens at death. I have died to the lesser that the greater could live through this vehicle of manifestation. But it's been relentless for many, many decades. Relentless inquiry so the brain does not think. The brain is not your intelligence. The brain is a receiver of what? From where? It's everyone's duty, dharma, divine imperative, to ponder this, if you will. It's interesting. I was watching a documentary a long time ago, actually, about children that were lacking large portions of the brain. Some were born with like half a brain or just a little tiny bit of a brain. And the brain tissue that was remaining adapted to assume the full function of a whole brain which I thought was fascinating. But the lacking of the brain had nothing to do with the intelligence and the performance of those children, which is almost unbelievable. But remember, the cognitive process that we attribute to the brain is not in the body. It's in the mind. It's in the antakarana that we spoke about, the inner connective instrument that commutates down the different levels of cognitive perception that we simply term mind. But in Sanskrit, there are four different definitions of the mind. The manas, which is the thinking mind. The buddhi, which is the intellect, the discerning, the discriminatory mind and the chitta, which is the memory. 
Then you have the ahamkara, which is the separative sense of self that we call ego. So when the mind functions as a repository of memories, it's called shitta. That repository is located in the causal body. Not in the physical, in the causal. The chitta contains the memory of not only this life, but all of our past lives. If you can imagine, billions and trillions of lifetimes. When the mind identifies itself with the physical body and assumes the doership for various activities, then it is given the name ahamkara or ego. So the mind, though basically one, displays these four varied forms on account of the different functions or roles performed by it. The same mind assumes different forms and plays different roles depending on the needs of the different situations. And the mind alone is the cause of all things. Ponder this. The whole universe is nothing but a projection of the mind. The mind, however, is only a bundle of thoughts. So if we have no thoughts, it follows we have no mind. So that's why when you hear Sai Baba say, say, and other enlightened beings, that the mind must be utterly destroyed, I like to say dissolved, that's what they mean. It actually dissolves in the light of the Atma Jyoti. That supreme effulgence that we just visualized. Everything is drawn up into and subsumed into that primordial state that has been referred to as Sat Chit Ananda. Sat, eternal existence. Ever-expanding awareness, Ananda, bliss. And that's who you are and what you are forever. It's not a static state. It is an ongoing state in which you birth universes through divine bliss, not to the mind. The creation in the lower world is birthed through the mind, the universal mind the mind of God. But beyond that, as Paramakshara, we can't put any name except it is the it of itself that is. And there's nothing else to be said. But creation expands through radiant bliss and not through mentation as it is in the lower world. So I hope that clarifies a bit for you how nothing really happens in the body of itself. Begin to get a sense of yourself as the energy and the light and the presence of consciousness within the shell, within the body. And begin to notice when you're externalized from the body, which is every time you're daydreaming, meditating, sleeping, intensely absorbed in an activity in which you lose sight and awareness of the body, and with it, pain. Because pain is not in the body either. According to Jesus in The Course in Miracles, Pain is wrong perception. And since I have pain like everybody else that I know, 
we don't need to shoot ourselves for <laughs> in the foot <laughs> or judge ourselves because we have pain. But according to Jesus, it indicates a incorrect perception that the Holy Spirit is designed to correct. We can't fix it, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to correct our perception. I find personally, as a teacher, that pain comes with my identification as the doer that's doing teaching. So that little bit of misperception causes me to assume that I am a label of a function that I identify, which is part of the ego pattern, you see. And with it comes a belief of the clearing of people's karma, which is real subtle, really subtle. So those of you who are teachers or functionist teachers or healers or energy workers or whatever, that's where we have our 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 hookup, our, our snag. This is where we get entrapped into the belief that we're a doer, which is simply the ego. There is no doer. There's only God. There's only the divine Shakti that animates and activates the sentiency and the activity of the body through either the conditioned concepts of the mind or the divine spirit animates. And so these are subtle levels for us to contemplate and to be aware of. Because right now we live in a body, seemingly, in a world, seemingly, that for the, 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 the major portion of humanity feels is in destruction, decline, and an extinction event. Almost everyone looks at the world and says, oh, it's coming apart at the seams. And that's not at all what's happening. There is no extinction event. No one is seeing correctly because they're seeing through the mind and not through the vision of God looking through the mind and the eyes in true vision. I'll tell you the difference. When you're looking through the egoic mind, you find everything wrong with the world. You find things that you criticize and judge and demand to have fixed or you spend your life trying to fix them. And of course, they never get fixed, right? History repeats itself. I was thinking the other day how annoying it is to Ashtar, who spoke last week rather strongly, how annoyed he was that after over 60 years of constant contact with, with this planet and its governments, we're doing the same thing that caused him to originally come to this planet and give, its war give, him, give warning back in 1953 through George Van Tassel, which was the first time that Ashtar had ever entered our Earth's orbit and spoken through a channel two-way channel. Actually, he, he spoke through a ham uh, radio uh, also through, through many people. Because in those days, they had ham radio operators that were able to take the transmissions directly from the ships. They didn't have to have channels and mediums. And the ego is a control freak. The last thing it wants is for you to wake up because it's going to dissolve like an ice cube in the sun. The ego is that silly little thought form of separation that was honored because we are created 
in the image and likeness of our Creator, which is creative. We can never not create. So our illusions create, our thoughts create, our postulations create. The thoughts we think every day create. And people the world that we inhabit. So to enter new worlds, the first thing that has to happen is the heart has to open. The spiritual heart, which is actually the same thing as the Atma Jyoti, as the spiritual flame of our being. It's the same thing. We call it heart. doesn't mean the emotional, sentimental, romantic heart. It's the spiritual heart, which is the same as your core essence, spirit essence. And when that opens, it's painful. When my heart opened, I felt so vulnerable, I felt like I was a peeled snail. You find yourself crying at everything. You feel everything. You cry for joy. You cry because you, you, you're you so moved and touched. You cry because you you see the poignancy of life. You see the compassion. You see the beauty. You cry over everything. The one thing you don't cry over is sorrow. But your heart feels like it's 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 actually expanding. You feel like it's stretching. It actually hurts. Because it is stretching. It is expanding. Energetically, not physically. Energetically. And different things go on with that. And it's a little scary because you think there's something wrong with your heart. No, there's something very right with your heart for maybe the first time. But I'm just saying, it's painful to be open, 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 open when your familiar is being closed, 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 and guarded. It's the opposite. You've had a radical shift. And different things open the heart for different people. For some, it's it's giving birth to your first child. For some, it's it's a series of heartbreaks and heartaches and a lot of suffering. Because we search for love everywhere but where it can be found, which is in our own being, our own self. We project that need outside and people and things, and we become attached. And attachment is the second cause of suffering, according to the Dalai Lama. First is identifying with your body. Second is attachment. And we all know that. We've mastered an attachment, haven't we? Who hasn't had a broken heart? Who hasn't lost a loved one? Who hasn't been disappointed and betrayed and hurt and and maligned? Who hasn't felt grudge and resentment and, and, and pain and hatred when somebody says something negative or does something negative and you harbor that grudge and it eats you up inside? And pretty soon you're so filled with all of this with, withheld anger, vengeance, resentment, fury, frustration, that really you're spiritually constipated. You're all clogged up. Nothing's flowing because you have to release and let that go if you want to see new worlds. If you want to see the world that we're living in today through new eyes, if you want the spirit God self that you are to look through your eyes and see something amazing, wondrous, beautiful, to where you see what's right with the world, not what's wrong with it. The ego sees what's wrong with the world. Spirit sees what's perfect in the world. Catch the difference. Catch the difference. The ego wants you to be busy moving furniture around in the world, making the prison look a little nicer. But nothing changes. Spirit wants you to step free through grace. 
going to take the grace of God for you to step free because of yourself. You can do nothing. Vision is the gift of God. Liberation is the gift of God. You're already liberated. But to know it requires the gift of God. Now, you have to put yourself in a position to receive that. You've got to get yourself in a position to receive it. How do you do that? Well, to begin with, you might try asking. Ask. Ask that your heart be opened. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to release the grievance and the hatred and the anger that hides the light of the world that you are. So what keeps the heart closed is nurturing past grievances, holding on to what someone said or did and fearing that more hatred is to come in the future. Every time you take things personally, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be offended and put off. That's what happens when you take things personally. It's not about you as a person. It never has been. It's about letting you as that God self have its way through your human instrument. It's allowing the God self that is the true self that you are to flow unimpeded through your incarnation. So the ego is always into justifying the building of walls of defense against loving. So choose the loving. Choose letting go. Choose being okay with not being in control. Choose asking the Holy Spirit for guidance. And the next thing is get in communion and communication, whether it's online, in person, joining a group, get in fellowship with people who are loving, who are resonating that loving. You've got to stay in fellowship with people who are in the vibration that you would wish to cultivate and live in. And third, you need to do some serious study You need to exercise feeding your mind with truth, filling your mind with with the thoughts of God-realized, self-realized mystics and men and women who have discovered this which we're talking about and are living from it. Get in fellowship. So, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. And that spells ask. Ask. If you don't ask, you can't receive. Very important. Stop assuming you know. Stop assuming you have the answers to anything. Humble yourself and ask. And come before the supreme creator that stands above and beyond anything we could possibly conceive, but who indwells in our innermost being as our true authentic self. Come like an open, innocent, receptive child. If you would open the vision to new worlds. New worlds require a new approach, a turning over of how we've done things up until now and asking to be shown a new approach. It takes humility to do that. The ego's a know-it-all. Been there, done that, bought the bini, let me tell you how it is. No, that's got to go. To 
enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is to become as a little child, full of awe and wonder and enthusiasm and excitement. Because the little child has no brain grooves of separation yet. Got a brand new brain. It's open to life open to new adventures until we stop, start, uh, what do you call it, conditioning them. Gosh, if we'd leave our kids alone. But we don't. We don't. We condition them in the ways we were conditioned that we thought would help them survive. Why? Why would anyone want to survive in the world as it is today as most people live in it? No wonder they're so depressed. They think this is the only world there is. So those of you who are teachers, God bless us all. We've got to help people realize they're not their bodies, release attachment, let go of the baggage of grudges and grievances. That just leads to a very, very sick individual that's seriously constipated spiritually. They're all stuffed with old stuff that has to be released. And they've got to be taught how to release it. How to take that deep breath and let it flow out and be dissolved in the love of God. Just transmute it out. The love of God. But you know, they also have to look at it. They also have to realize they don't need that or want that, and they've got to have the wit to see it for what it is and to let it go. So it's important that awareness also accompany the release. And those of you who are coaches, teachers, and mentors We'll find ways to do that, as we all have to, because we learn as a teacher by teaching. You learn how to be a master by mastering yourself. You learn how to be truly helpful to people by first helping yourself to awaken and to see through the eyes of love. For when you are aligned correctly, with life, you will see all that is right with life. And you will learn to look, as Jesus said, we have to learn to look at devastation and say, this is not real. Boy, that's a hard lesson in the Course of Miracles. We have to look at devastation and realize it's not real. We have to look beyond it. We have to look with the eyes of spirit, not with the mind's eyes. The mind will find what's wrong with it and try to fix it, which is the ego's answer to everything. But spirit is the only answer. And it's to see through the appearance to the reality. Love underlies the happenings of the times. Love upholds the universe. Love is the only reality. Everything else is something the mind has invented. See through the eyes of love and the entire universe and the myriad of worlds within worlds of wonder and beauty that we cannot even conceive of in our highest imagining is open to us. And so let's open our vision to new worlds. So I hope this has been helpful. We just keep removing the baggage clearing the way, and seeing more and more clearly each day. As arm in arm, we walk each other home. So let's 
raise our palms, and send that Atma Jyoti, that light through our palm chakras, to all of the environment around us and throughout the planet, wherever we find ourselves. And may light and love and goodness touch to and awaken the vision, the divine vision, in everyone on the planet who's asked for that. May they see more clearly from this moment on That is our prayer for our fellow brothers and sisters. And let's go out chanting one on I, you. Deep breath. May all the beings in all the worlds be happy. Namaste.